Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Welcome. I'm excited for another week with you, Eleni, and smart things you say about food. You used smart last week, didn't you? Oh, okay, okay. Baffling things you say. <laughs> okay, wait, I ha- okay, I now have ponderings with Kay. Are you ready for this Ooh. pondering I had while I was driving here? Yeah. I was like, you know what? A hundred years ago, your job would be silly to everyone because you would be like, guys, eat healthy, real food and get sunshine and work hard every day and turn your screens off. And they would be like, we're just, girl, we're living here. I mean, like, I don't know what you're saying. Right. Like, we don't have screens and we yes. do eat healthy food Because that's what is that's here. That's what we have. And we move all day because if we didn't, we would go hungry. Yeah. So we got you, girl. Yeah. So, so it's kind of nice you were born in this era to have your job that you do. That's true. Yeah. That is a good pondering with Kay. Yeah. I also think it's funny that we're like... Yeah, that far out from like the Salem witch trials, and yet oh, yeah. <laughs> nutrition is like witchcraft in Iowa. So, <laughs> so food affects our body. You crazy girl. You're crazy. You're Somebody crazy. go burn her at You're the stake. Crazy. Somebody see if she weighs more than a duck. Yes. <laughs> witchcraft. witchcraft. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome to Renegade Nutrition. Which witchcraft can you talk to us about today, lady? <laughs> Witching hour. We are just post-Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that's fitting. (laughs) (laughs) No, today we're learning about seasonal eating. That's right. Yeah, seasonal eating. So pumpkins this week, if you're in Iowa. True. You could just go pick them off somebody's front porch. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Rotting doesn't matter. You just take that piece out. They're pre-cut and pre-scooped for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. That's, uh, my goats will eat them. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to give our goats our pumpkins. Does it give them um, shiny hair? Is that right? Oh, They say I that about so. dogs. Feed them pumpkins so they have a shinier coat. It helps their eyes. Oh. And the seeds are good natural anti-parasites and dewormers. Oh. oh. So we also give one to our chickens every year. Oh, nice. Yeah. So then they eat the seeds and it helps like cleanse and purify their bodies, I guess. Okay. I love it. I should cook mine. Yeah, them. you can eat the pumpkin seeds. My mom, oh my gosh, that was like yes. my favorite tradition. So we would carve our pumpkins. Okay. And then maybe this is why I love Halloween so much. I don't know. Yeah. We'd carve our pumpkins Memories. and then my mom would wash and roast all the seeds and do them with like olive oil and salt and maybe garlic, but mostly just yes. olive oil and salt, I yes. think. And like roast them and then we would eat all the seeds and that was the best part. That sounds amazing. Okay, your mom's amazing because my daughter was like, mom, can we roast these? And I was like, yes, we will, honey. And then it just never happened. You put them in a bucket in your garage for a week and they burned. They turn green, honey. I don't, I don't, we shouldn't eat these. I don't know. But maybe fermented is really healthier, so we should have. I don't know. I don't know. It's a thin line between fermented and poisonous or toxic. <laughs> we digress today, Elaine. Yes, yes. That's, that's the usual. Well, I feel like we, we have to have some amount of like actual conversation before I, the podcast. You're right. You're right. We got to get our listeners back on track. And then we're also conversing because... I miss you. So this is our hello. How are you? Yeah, you guys, you're lucky that we just turned this on after Kay and I have already been talking for an hour. I know. Such good things. (laughs) I had my ice rink up. I went to Disney. She went to California. Gosh, there's been a lot. There's been a lot. There was a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Yeah. This is like how we get to see each other every week. So (laughs) deal with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> just kidding. I think our listeners like us. I hope so. Well, the ones that don't haven't come back. So. Yeah, that, that's fair. You know, all is fair in the world. If you don't like us, don't come back. Yeah, just and that's don't okay. come back. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, for real, we are going to talk about eating seasonally and locally and why it is important. Mm, I like it. Mm-hmm. Nutritionally speaking yes. and economically speaking, I support it. That's right. Yeah. And I specifically said why it is important for your health, our yeah. economy, and the planet. Oh, oh gosh. So you got two of the three. I got two of the three. Good. Boom, boom, boom. Way to go. And this is definitely more of a high-level episode because each of these topics, when we talk about eating locally at least or seasonally, could be like two or three episodes in and of themselves. So yeah, this is not deep detail-oriented. Give us the broad strokes. General overview of why it can impact your health, the economy, and our planet. Yeah. And I will say too... This is not a like episode really about eating organic, although I will talk about it. But eating organic is such a huge topic <laughs> that big dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't even combine it with another topic. It's probably five podcast episodes on its own. So I will touch on eating okay. organic and some facts with that. But please know this is not all inclusive. And yeah, there's just. There's, we'll have there's a too much five hour organic <laughs> talk another time. That's right. A five the hour. Star Wars of our episodes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back. Organic. Organic. <laughs> Free range. <laughs> Pasture rays. <laughs> All right. So Gosh. why eat seasonal and local? So first of all, organic, local, and seasonal foods have more nutrients and fewer chemicals. Win-win. Mm-hmm. So organic plant foods on average contain about 25% more concentrations, higher concentrations of nutrients than conventional foods. That's wild. Yep. In particular, they tend to be higher in the important polyphenols and antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, and quercetin. And the Rodale Institute has been running side-by-side comparison research trials of organic versus conventional produce since 1947. They're awesome. They are so awesome. Mm. So this is the longest-running systems trial of organic versus conventional fields that's been conducted by the Rodale Institute. And their farming systems trial, which started in 1981, so is like close to 40 years old Mm -hmm. here right now. Yep. Just over, right? Yeah, yeah, 41, yeah. Mm -hmm. 41 years old is the world's largest and longest running study comparing the effects of conventional versus organic growing practices on soil health, produce health, yield, environmental health, and human health. And they have found and proven through their research, they are the only people who are doing this level of research, they have found and proven that organic systems produce competitive yields to non-organic yield up to 40 percent higher than conventional systems in times of drought earn farmers who farm organically earn three to six times greater profits it improves our soil health and builds uh organic soil matter over time as opposed to conventional farming which gets like drains our soil of nutrients and then causes like top soil loss it uses 45 percent less energy and releases 40 percent fewer carbon emissions wow so for all those people who say 
well, conventional farming is just so much more profitable and so much less work. That's actually not true. Not true. Not true. If you actually read the research about it, it's higher yields when times get tough and it's way more profit for the farmer. So just something for you to think about. Something to think about. And it improves your soil health, which at some point we are going to completely sap all the nutrients from our soil and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to do something, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't just keep adding general fertilizer to your soil and think it's going to be better. Like the soil is created it's, with the health yes, healthy and it's components like, it needs. Yes, and it's like living and it needs that biodiversity and land. And I know. Right. And you cannot mimic that with Yes. And then I got to plug this movie right here. What's it called? The Biggest Little Farm? Oh, yeah. Yes. And they took a farm that was completely desolate. You could not put a shovel through the dirt. It was so hard. This couple, and it's amazing documentary, bought this farm and they started doing the composting barn with the worms in it and they redid the whole farm and now it's been like seven, ten years and it, however many years it took like seven to really get anyway whatever yeah, it takes and off. now it's just like full ecosystem biodiversity in the land you could stick a shovel down 10 feet okay not yeah 10 feet but a foot like amazing so right. anyway that documentary like changed my world so yeah okay. and it does take time i mean i'm not downplaying the like transition does take time and yeah. money and there will be a time period if you're transitioning from organic or from conventional to organic, there's a time period where you lose money and you don't have good yields and you're not getting paid for organic because your land isn't organic for several years Mm -hmm. after using pesticides, which tells you how long they stay in the soil. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. can't get certified organic for years after you transition, just food for thought. So I don't want to downplay that part because that's an important component for people who are looking to switch, but it will be worth it in the end. That's my plug. That's all I'll say. Tons of research for those people looking to switch. We can, there's like kiss the ground, and there's another oh a farmer from North Dakota we'll have to get his information but we'll do a whole podcast on this well, and we get do that. deep into that because it is a profitable amazing for the earth amazing for your body way to go and it gets dog done I think it's beautiful it's the dog done <laughs> that was a cute little dyslexic moment <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry about that my blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean you do know <laughs> Okay, so in 2017, the Rodale Institute started the Vegetable Systems Trial. So this was a new trial outside of the Farming Systems Trial, and in this one, they're comparing side-by-side comparisons of conventional and organic methods for growing vegetables specifically. So the goal of the study is to run for 20 years. They're about five years into that experiment now, and it's specifically designed to analyze nutrient density in the finished crops. So it's kind of the first study of its kind, like everything the Rodale Institute does. No other crop comparison study has been focused on exploring the links between soil health, nutrient density of crops, and human health. So they have been studying five crops, potatoes to represent fruit vegetables, beans, butternut squash, and sweet corn to represent fruits, Mm -hmm. and lettuce to represent leafy vegetables. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they... Oh, go ahead. This is so interesting to me because I'm like, they have to do a study to prove it to the people, right? Who need the proof. But I'm like, of course there's a connection. (laughs) Okay, but we need it in a study for the masses to believe it. Okay, so yeah, you do have to prove it. Yep. So they grow the vegetables in both organic and non-organic plots. They harvest the produce at the end of the growing season and then they freeze dry it. 
and then they grind it up and send it for nutrient analysis to third-party labs so they themselves don't analyze the crops, um, which is, that's a, a benefit of kind of being like blinded research is you can send it, somebody else can analyze it. They're not biased. They're not doing the research. They're just gonna look at the results, right? Create the results. So they look at mineral content, protein content, and then vitamin B6 and vitamin C content. And the I watched a whole presentation on it. And the lady who's heading up the research study said, we'd love to look at more factors, but funding is so limited for this type of research that they had to just pick two mm. vitamins that were representative of other vitamins. So when you're looking at like B6, it's kind of representative of all the B vitamins. Mm. Vitamin C is representative of those antioxidant vitamins. So they want to look at more, but they don't have just the funding. Just the big ones, yep. Mm-hmm. So they found that organic produce as of 2019 overall was higher in protein, vitamin B6, and vitamin C. Mineral results have not been reported on yet. Mm. And they also look at concentration of phenolic compounds in crops. So polyphenols, which are naturally occurring organic compounds found mostly in fruits and vegetables, are a large group of phytochemicals known for their antioxidant anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial properties. So research has shown that regular consumption of food rich in polyphenols decreases the risk of chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, and neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And in 2020, they found in their systems trial that total phenol concentrations were significantly greater in their Purple Majesty cultivar grown potatoes, so purple majesty potatoes, grown in the organic system than in the conventional system. Wow. So there's the research behind the how nutrients are higher in organic food. Um, And then, of course, another benefit of organic produce is that there are fewer chemicals. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the whole point. It's grown without pesticides, herbicides, and other harmful chemicals that have been shown to cause health problems. Again, that's not a myth. Mm -hmm. Science supports it. A study published in the journal Pediatrics found that children exposed to pesticides at levels typically found in conventional produce are more likely to develop attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, so ADHD, Mm. and exposure of babies in utero to harmful chemicals are at risk for developing lifelong problems with endocrine disruption and hormone imbalances, among other problems. And not only that, but then they can pass those conditions on to their children. Mm-hmm. A panel of scientists that were hired by the Obama administration to study the effect of environmental toxins on cancer found that the U.S. government has grossly underestimated the number of cancers caused by environmental toxins. And they released a report in 2010 urging Americans to eat organic produce grown without pesticides, fertilizers, or other chemicals. Wow. I need to do better on that. And that comes back to the whole like, well, it's cheaper or, or, you know, like conventional food's cheaper. And it's like, but bad health is expensive. So it's like, you know, you kind of like pick your money there and try to do better in other places and make it worth it. Because I'm even sitting here thinking like, oh, gosh, I got to put my money there. Like, I need to make that a change. 
Yeah, none of that's meant to like guilt trip anybody or if you haven't been eating organic, don't panic. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. It's just you learn the information yeah. so you can make the change today. And I yep. think there is really, there's something to it. I like the EWGs, uh, Dirty Dozen and Clean yes, 15. Clean yes, yes. Because it's not affordable for everybody, not yet. Right. But I believe that we are working towards a society in which organic produce will be less expensive. Yes. When we visited our friends in South Africa, um, organic produce and whole foods were way cheaper than processed crappy conventional foods there. Wow. Because in reality, there's less inputs into the producing those products, and so they charged less. So it was actually way more expensive to buy like a bag of crappy potato chips than it was to just buy whole foods like fruits and vegetables. As it should be, Eleni. As it should be. As it should be in this, gosh. Right. Cool. So I feel like we're working our way towards yeah. that. Don't feel bad if buying all organic isn't attainable to you. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about, but it's simply bringing awareness because it should be a goal to yep. work towards. Yep. And that's why we grow a lot of our own food because it is really cheap yep. to grow from a seed <laughs> from a seed yep. that costs you like five cents for a seed. You can grow a tomato plant that provides for you for the entire summer. Yes. Yes. And if that's the only thing you grow, well, good. That's, I think, on the dirty dozen. So you can grow that thing pesticide free and actually yeah. taste what good fresh produce tastes like. So yep. Anyway, it's goals. I'm not yeah. saying everybody needs to like go and throw everything out in their pantry and buy all new stuff today, but supporting yeah. the local farmers does go a long way towards making their products more available and yep. more affordable. Yep. You vote with your dollars. Yep. Yep. And if we're all drops in the ocean, we help it out. One day we'll make a splash. <laughs> that's you right. Know? We keep going. And that's all I'll say for now about organic, because again, that's not what I want the focus of this episode to be. But because so often when you eat locally, you mm. are eating organic. That tends to be the trend if you're buying from farmers markets and things like that. So I wanted to cover it because it is a piece of why eating locally is so beneficial. Mm-hmm. Hey there, Renegades. Eleni here, briefly interrupting this episode of the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. I wanted to highlight a company that Kay and I have recently discovered that we love, and that company is Bulletproof. Bulletproof sells high-quality nutritional supplements, and every product that Kay and I have tried from them personally, we have found to be excellent. It's important when you choose a supplement that it contain the bioactive forms in order for it to be effective, and Bulletproof has just the right forms in just the right amount. Right now, if you go to Bulletproof.com and use the code RENEGADE15 at checkout, you can receive 15% off your order. That's RENEGADE, R-E-N-E-G-A-D-E-15. Use that code at checkout to get 15% off and we'll earn a small commission too. Thanks for your support. All right, back to this week's episode of the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. But more relevant to our discussion today is the importance of local and seasonal and why they matter. So how local your produce is can determine its nutrient content. Just like organic is more nutrient dense than conventional, local is more nutrient dense than foreign imported. So nutrition is dependent on where your produce comes from, and in particular, how long it's been out of the ground before you eat it. 
So most of the produce sold at large supermarket chains is grown hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of miles away in places like California, Florida, and Mexico, where it's warm year round Mm -hmm. and they can't grow things year round. In fact, more than half the fruit and almost one third of the vegetables bought in the U.S. are actually imported from other countries. Um, And this is especially true when you're eating foods that are out of season in your local area, like tomatoes, bananas, or cherries in the middle of the winter in the Midwest, where like nobody around you is growing those things. Yeah, fair, fair. And I'm like, but I love bananas year round, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. And a typical carrot, just for example, travels 2,000 miles before it reaches your dinner table. So wow. Food for your, thought. Yours travels about 15 feet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then possibly more than a week has passed since it was picked, packaged, and trucked to the store where it can sit on the shelves for even longer. So the problem with this is that food starts to change as soon as it's removed from the plant or pulled from the ground. As soon as it's harvested, its nutrient content begins to decline and it deteriorates with exposure, especially to heat and air, which is what happens when food is transported. Um, And then in order to survive transport, fruits and vegetables usually must be picked unripe because then they are harder and more resistant to bruising and molding and they won't rot on the way because they're not even ripe. And then they just have to be sprayed with like chemicals like ethylene to kind of force ripe them. But we talked about this again. If mm-hmm. you are force ripening something off of the vine, out of the soil, what nutrients is it taking in? Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. So total vitamin C content of fruits like red peppers, tomatoes, apricots, peaches, and papayas has been shown to be higher when these plant these fruits are picked right from the plant. But when they are shipped across the U.S. or internationally, then they are not picked ripe. So they have peak nutrition content when they're picked ripe, but they're not picked ripe when they're shipped. They're picked unripe. And then when they're grown out of season, they can't follow their natural growing and ripening like rhythms. Mm-hmm. So even though California could grow certain produce all year round, there are natural rhythms mm. to produce just like humans have natural rhythms with the seasons, mm-hmm. our produce has natural rhythms that it follows. And when we grow it out of its season, it doesn't have the same nutrient density, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. <clears throat> so most produce, as it's shipped, unripe, is then treated with chemicals, gases, and heat processes. And some produce is also coated with an edible film to protect it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the the episode we had with Tammy Rich and she had us that when they freeze the food right away um, and then does that help preserve That's That's probably our better option here. Mm-hmm. I mean, local, but right. right. But I mean like also the like freeze it right away when it's at its right nutrition. And right. Then- exactly. Yep. Um, so without another problem is that without exposure to sunlight, then many vegetables lose their nutrient value. So if you buy vegetables from the supermarket that were picked unripe, then they were transported to the store in a dark truck, so no more sunlight exposure. Then they're stored in the middle of a pile in the produce section, so no light exposure. And then you put them in your dark refrigerator for several days before eating them. Chances are they've lost most of their nutrient value. So a study at Penn State University found that spinach lost almost 50% of its folate after eight days. 
<laughs> oh, that that felt kind of depressing for it's me. A bummer, right? All my little sad <laughs> veggies in the dark fridge. Yes, <laughs> just like they're hitting their seasonal depression. Yes, yes. Give me light. Another study Gosh. compared the vitamin C content of supermarket broccoli in May, which was in season, and supermarket broccoli in the fall, which was shipped from another country, and they found that the seasonal broccoli had twice the vitamin C content as the non-seasonal broccoli. This is wild. I feel like the labels are a lie. I feel like my life is a lie. I don't know what to do with this information. (laughs) Additionally, eating seasonally supports your body's natural nutrition needs. We weren't made to eat things like nightshades, like tomatoes, eggplant, etc., all year round. They contain toxins that can accumulate, and it's best to take a break from them in the fall and winter season. So it's not harmful to eat all those beautiful fresh tomatoes in the summer, but you don't want to be eating them year round because it's actually not that good for you Mm. to be eating that food all the time. Your body wants to take a break from it because that's what, how the produce was created. Let your gut heal folks. Yeah. And then for example, in winter, we are provided by nature, all things citrus. Winter is citrus season. It's one of my favorite seasons. And these citrus fruits are particularly high in vitamin C, which is important for preventing infections like the cold and flu. So there is a reason why produce comes into season on its own naturally and what nutrient content it provides you for that season. How interesting. My grandparents used to give us grapefruit every Christmas, and I just thought, what a cute tradition. This is fun, but it's actually because it's in season and seasonal mm-hmm. and amazing for your body. And oh, yeah. They were actually just being like really good grandparents. Yeah. Wow. Citrus fruits are in season in the winter. We have a Meyer lemon tree that we keep indoors in the winter, and then we put outdoors in the spring and summer. And it has one one lemon on it right now. I call it. I call it. I, oh, we'll share it. We'll share, share it. it. But it ripens in the winter. So it starts producing Wild. it at the end of the summer. And then we bring it in and it's just a green thing right now. And if it hangs in there, it will just ripen by the middle winter. That it so used cool. to grow more fruit, but it's it has suffered some damage. So it's recovering. But that's okay. It needs more more sunlight. Than but yes, okay, citrus, cool. fruits in general that. are that's in cool. season in the winter. And so are things like persimmons, which are also really high in good vitamin C and really high in fat, which I, I think don't know is, what that is. I don't oh know my God, is. persimmons. Persimmons. I've never heard of that. Oh, I love persimmons. Okay, okay. We'll 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 awaken your mind. Okay. Um we'll have persimmons together this winter. All right. So persimmons are high in vitamin C and they're high in fat, which was important because especially for like animals that are grazing on those plants, like deer and stuff, mm-hmm. they aren't getting a lot of other sources of fat. So I thought that was really interesting. What color? What um they're orange. So. Orange and like similar to an orange looking? No, they're smooth skinned and they're kind of they look like their own thing. There's not oh. a lot I could compare them to. Okay. They are one of my favorite fruits, all-time favorite fruits. <sighs> I think I just really crave the winter fruits that come into season, like citrus, the Meyer lemons, and the grapefruits, and then the persimmons. And I the- didn't think I could learn any more things today, and here yes. we are. <laughs> my mind is... And interestingly, you know, things like winter vegetables offer comfort and are perfect for hot meals, healthy stews, soups, and casseroles, and other warming meals in the winter. So you crave those comfort foods in the winter. Mm -hmm. And how interesting that they're also what's in season. Those root Mm -hmm. vegetables, those sweet potatoes, those winter squashes, the pumpkins, like 
And that's what you crave. Doesn't that kind of tell you something that's interesting? Mm, It's all connected. And then in the spring, after a long winter with fewer vegetable options, asparagus is one of the first vegetables that becomes ready. And asparagus Mm. has this incredibly deep and extensive root system that harvests nutrients from the soil that no other crop can gather. It's the perfect food to consume after a winter of not getting as much nutrients from vegetables. And Mm. there it comes in the spring. All these deep roots pulling all this deep nutrition from the soil. It's the perfect thing that you need. It's like your first vegetable and it replenishes a lot of those nutrients. This is my, we planted an asparagus patch three years ago. This spring will be my first taking of the asparagus. Because it takes three years to get those roots down. So I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Our chickens okay. like to dust bathe and nap by ours. So ours might take a fourth year. <laughs> we'll okay. We'll give it a little extra time. <laughs> it's good for them all, I guess. Okay. It's like they have a sense for things that they, like they have five acres of land they could explore. And yeah. it's like they just have this sense for the things that they shouldn't be digging yes, at. Yes, and then they yes, go and they're, find those things. Yes. Like They're like children. They know snow. Yeah. Yes. They're like set to destroy it. Like, ooh, this isn't a cage. This must be something I'm not supposed to get at. And then they'll just destroy it in yes. every way they can. Yes. Yeah. This looks important. Yeah. I'm going to shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Fertilizing. I'm helping. Um, and then summer foods, such as stone fruits, provide us with extra beta carotenes and other carotenoids that help protect us against sun damage. And they also provide more sweetness for an energetic summer, as well as those salad vegetables for tasty, cool summer salads. So again, mm. that food that's ripening seasonally, how cool that those stone fruits offer beta carotenes to protect your skin from the sun and that is when the, the sun is the burning sun. your skin oh it's all connected it's so cool and then finally of course local produce tastes so much better than conventional it's picked up peak ripeness and freshness and the flavors aren't even comparable and also nutrition tastes good so a food that's more nutritionally dense tastes better mm-hmm. if you have ever had a garden fresh tomato like off the vine in the middle mm-hmm. of the summer and then had a tomato in the middle of the winter from the grocery store, like, you know. You know. You You know. know. (laughs) So additionally, if we buy local, then we support our local economy and we preserve our resources. So aside from having more nutrients and fewer chemicals, there are other non-nutritional reasons to eat local produce. I think Cornell University's Northeast Regional Food Guide summarizes this really well. They said community food systems promote more food-related enterprises in proximity to food production, marketing, and consumption. Such systems enhance agricultural diversity, strengthen local economies, including farm-based businesses, protect farmland, and increase the viability of farming as a livelihood. Local food systems mean less long-distance shipment of the produce we enjoy, which means decreased use of non-renewable fossil fuels for food distribution, lower emission of resulting pollutants, and less wear on transcontinental highways. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reason yes. <clears throat> right there to eat locally because insanity, like the definition of that is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. And we can't keep trashing our earth and the soil and expect things to get better. They're mm-hmm. just going to continue getting worse. Mm-hmm. So all of those are good reasons to buy locally. And I do find too, you know, we grow our own vegetables, but um, prior to that, we would buy a CSA 
And we loved meeting with the farmers in the CSA. We formed those relationships and forged those relationships. Or if you go to a farmer's market regularly, you probably have your favorite vendors that you always go to. And maybe their stuff is even more expensive than the guy next to them, but you have a relationship with that person. You know their produce is high quality. You know their work ethic. And you want to buy from them. And I think those relationships are so critical yes yes <laughs> to our society i agree to our souls yeah yeah you know so we grow our own fruits and vegetables but we buy meat locally and we totally have a relationship with the farmers that we buy meat from like when we go once or twice a year to go pick things up from their farm we are talking to them for like half an hour we're catching up like old friends i just think having a relationship with the people that supply your food it's how it's meant to be. How it's meant to be. If it's not cool. yourself, it should be somebody yeah. who's a friend. Yep. Like we are built for community, and yes. part of the reason why we are not thriving as a society is because we have given up a lot of our community. We are inside yeah. our house. We're connecting over Zoom now instead of face to face. I mean, yeah. I think the more opportunities you have yeah. to build community around what you're doing, the better. Yeah. And the other fun part about going to pick up your food from a local farmer is you're not the only one. There's other people who are doing that too. And then you yep. get to meet them and you get to talk to them and you form yep. relationships with them. So, and and then those are people that you know, they are interested in similar things as you. They're living a similar lifestyle and you can connect on those things instead yep. of focusing on everything that divides us, which seems to be... Yeah. What's yes, the topics happened. of conversations. Yeah, yeah, like if we can find ways to connect over the things that unite us, yes. then we're on the road. And success. what better thing, like how the world is, that to connect us than food. Like, right. Like a gorgeous meal from a gorgeous neighbor and a gorgeous conversation. Like, it's beautiful. I'm, That's right. I'm in it. I'm, I'm here for all of that. Yep. Yep. Okay, so if we haven't sold you by now, just... Hit rewind. Yeah, go back there. Go. <laughs> Listen to the first part of go this kiss episode a again. Somebody. <laughs> so, how can you change your eating habits today? Well, so obviously, the first thing I'm going to suggest is that you consider buying locally grown produce. This is a great way to eat with the seasons because, this, first of all, the foods that are being grown local to you are the things that can grow in that season. So, you're ensuring when you buy locally that you're also eating seasonally. The foods don't have to travel nearly so far, so associated fuel emissions and transportation costs are minimal, which reduces the cost to you. And then also, as a bonus, it supports your local farmers. It supports your local mm-hmm. economy. You're putting money into their pockets. They're putting money into your like local infrastructure, your local economy. Maybe they'll buy things from your business because you support theirs. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. This is why buying your produce at local farmers markets or even better, picking it from your own backyard garden are better options than buying conventional produce shipped from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Fruits and vegetables from local farms are usually stored within one to two days of picking, which means their nutrient content will be higher. When you visit a farmer's market, not only can you find fresh produce, meat, and seafood, but then those items are almost always organic. So a lot of people that are selling at a farmer's market are not using those conventional farming practices. Not all. Some people do use sprays and don't certify organic. And by the way, just because somebody isn't certified organic 
this is a whole topic of itself. Yeah. But just because somebody isn't certified organic doesn't mean they're not using organic processes. Oh, right, right. It's actually really expensive and difficult to get certified organic. And a mm. lot of small farmers will farm organically and not certify because the it makes it too expensive for themselves and for the people who are buying their products. Yeah. But then, like, talk to the farmer and be like, what do, what do you do on your veggies? What's your practices? Right. Like, are you spraying these? Yeah. Exactly. So you can get a relationship with the farmer, go visit their farm, see what they're doing, find out about their operation. But don't, just because it doesn't say it's organic doesn't mean it's not grown organically. Oh. So to explore seasonal foods in your area and support your community... You could also join a CSA, which is Community Supported Agriculture. We did that for several years. So a CSA is where you buy a share, quote unquote, of somebody's farm. So you pay an upfront cost, say like $500. You pay that all at once. And then every week for the season, they deliver organic produce to you is awesome which is awesome and i added it up and found that it actually even though you're paying a large upfront sum which can be kind of like ooh, yeah yeah <laughs> um it actually is way less expensive than buying all of that organic produce at the supermarket i added it up one day i took everything that was in our share i divided out how many weeks our share was for i divided like what the total cost was over those number of weeks then i took everything that was in that week's share and i went to the supermarket and I added up the costs on everything, and it was like 50% cheaper getting it from the CSA. That's like, amazing. Astronomically. Yeah. I'm so proud of you doing that research. Oh, you yeah. would do that research. Like, yeah. you would. That's amazing. Yeah, That's I was cool. like, is this a good deal? Like, I'm glad I'm supporting my local farmer, but I'm just curious, like, yeah. how it's adding up, you yeah. know? That's so, awesome. Yes, it is. And it's the same thing with meat shares, too. My husband and I have done that research you end up saving a lot, even though you're investing a large, again, upfront mm-hmm. chunk of change to buy yeah. like a half cow or a whole hog or whatever. Yeah. Um, you're saving a lot of money per pound when you break it up because to get a grass-fed steak is like 20 bucks. But when you buy it from like a cow share, it's three ninety nine a pound. <laughs> like, Yum. Gosh, so, I want a steak right now. Okay, yeah. Anyway, just... Food for thought. Food for thought. <laughs> or you can try growing your own produce in a small garden. Oh, yes. And are those vertical ones too? I've seen those. Yeah. There's like, lots of options for people with small spaces. I think whatever you can do, do. Yeah. Even if it's only herbs in a window box, do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think that that's a good start. Herbs are kind of heavily sprayed anyway, and then you can grow your own and they taste amazing. And herbs are one of the like most nutrient dense foods anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you can grow simple things like tomatoes and peppers and that's cool. What else? You I know? need to, I need to do that. I am such a, like a black thumb, like kill everything. So I need to start and like train myself for, oh, I could grow an herb so I can grow something else. Yeah, I think anything, I mean, honestly, if you have bad luck with indoor plants, outdoor plants are a lot hardier. Typically, Mm -hmm. you just need a fenced off area and you need to water them and they need to have sunshine. But I find that people who don't have good luck with indoor things can still do well with outdoor things. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Especially if it's close by and it's not a hassle. You need to create the systems for yourself to make it easy. But yeah. Yeah. Anybody can grow food. Mm-hmm. Every The capacity you have to grow your own food is limited. But also, if you have neighbors who want to grow food too, 
you can work out kind of a community thing. I think it's so valuable when you yeah. can go with your neighbors and you can say, okay, I'm going to grow tomatoes this year. What if you grew peppers? And let's go talk yeah. to this guy. What if he grows cucumbers? So maybe you have room for one plant. But each of those plants is going to produce a bounty beyond what you can use. Yep. So if you can convince your neighbors to go in on it with you, like, hey, thanks, you grow the zucchini plant, you grow the cucumber plant, you grow the onions, you grow the tomatoes, you grow the peppers. Yep. Suddenly you can all come together and you all have something yes. to share. And that's, that's cool. Enjoy. The new guy gets zucchini. I get zucchini. Okay. Next yeah, that one. one is hard to kill. Yeah, it's hard to kill. Yep, yeah. I can do that. I can do zucchini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a great resource is the seasonal food guide online. That's www.seasonalfoodguide.org backslash why eat seasonally. We'll put that link in the show notes. You can enter your state and the month and they will tell you what produce is in season for your area. So I think that that's a cool resource if you want to eat seasonally. A general list of foods for seasonal eating is as follows, but of course it's different for every area. This is a general list. So in the spring, things that tend to be in season are asparagus, bean sprouts, garlic, kale, leafy greens, mushrooms, peas, radishes, and rhubarb. In the summer, it's apricots, avocados, berries, cucumber, eggplant, peaches, plums, tomatoes, watermelon, zucchini. In the fall, it's apples, beets, bell peppers, broccoli, carrots, lettuce, and pumpkin. And in the winter, it's Brussels sprouts, cabbage, leeks, oranges, and citrus fruits, Swiss chard, turnips, and winter squash. Wow. Okay. With your list, I actually was thinking of like, I was eating avocados this summer and I loved it. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm so done with avocados. Mm -hmm. Like this natural rhythm is Mm -hmm. really cool. And now I am eating like I just got oranges and I, that's interesting how it's like, I'm kind of going along with that. Yeah. That's crazy. Just naturally, even in our cutoff society where we're not really in tune with our bodies anymore, we still know. Well, you're more in tune with your body than most people. We're getting there. We're trying. (laughs) We're trying to wake it up. But anyway, so again, eating seasonally is not only better for your body it's better for the economy it's better for the environment it's better for soil health it's important to give the soil a break it's important to grow i mean i didn't touch on this at all because i think it's a totally different topic but even to switch out what's growing in the soil to grow the same things in the soil year round is really bad for the soil because Mm. that the nutrient requirements of say corn do not change So if you were to grow corn or tomatoes or something like that year round, you are consistently drawing all those exact same nutrients in the same quantities from the soil. And then there's nothing to replenish it. But when you can buy or eat or grow seasonally, then tomatoes and corn are only growing for a short season. Mm -hmm. And then you might pull those plants out because they're past their season and plant something totally different. Things like radishes and turnips add nutrients back into the soil. Mm -hmm. So there's different, there's a reason why you want to grow and swap things out too. And also it reduces the pest load because the pests that feed on corn or tomatoes, if you're growing that crop year round, they're going to accumulate and multiply. But if you get rid of it and replace it with something they don't feed on, then the pests will also die out. That's awesome. So we're from a very like conventional farming area. I mean, we're Iowa. Um, 
Anyway, in my area, there's a lot more. This is really neat. This has been a change in the last two years as opposed to all, you know, my whole life growing up in this area is now farmers are doing winter crop, like now radishes in the field. Like that's now a thing. I'm like, this is so cool in the conventional field. So it's really neat how conventional farming I think is pivoting. Like I'm mm-hmm. seeing that and I yeah. think it's really cool. Well, because the research shows it's benefit to do cover crops and yes. transitional and rotational crops. And so yep. people aren't just soil. being like obstinate. They right. just want to see the research to prove it and the research is proving it. So then they'll change their ways when and they it's see it. it. But It's cool. Yeah. I think we're going to get there. So yeah. anyway. I have one thing to finalize on this topic though. Is it... Apricot or apricot? Okay. You're Southern California. I know. I was like, I think it depends on where you grew up. Pecan or pecan? Okay. I definitely say pecans. You're pecan and apricot, you say. Apricot. Okay. We're apricot and pecan. Okay. (laughs) How funny. It was this a little things alive. I know. Have you ever done that? Um, there's this whole dialect quiz. I can't remember who came up with it. Oh, but see, a university what, came up with, and then it'll tell you where you're from, almost yes. to the yes mile of yes. where you were raised based on your diet. And it asks you questions like that: Do you say like, apricot or do you say apricot? Do you say yes. firefly or do you say lightning bug? Ooh, like, like popper soda, popper soda, dinner yes. or supper? Oh, yeah. There's all of these questions that I asked you, and by the end, it was actually pretty accurate. I mean, it didn't That's get funny. Santa Barbara, California, but it picked an area in Southern California, which was good yeah. enough for me. That is so funny. Yeah. Okay. Those well, things are interesting. I know. Yeah. I respect <laughs> it either way. I'm going to eat them either way. Whatever, yeah. Apricots or apricots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for all of that, Lainey. Of course. I'm going to go get my pumpkin apple sweet potato turkey mixture when Ooh. you cut them all up. Oh, it's so good. Awesome. It's really good. I know. Google that. You'll find a good recipe all in a... All in a pan. Like a sheet pan recipe? Yep. Ooh, that sounds good. I know. It's in season, so you approve it. That's right. I do approve. Well, thank you, Elaine. And for the rest of you, go go be Renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades! Go be renegades!